Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. This is Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Podcast, and this is a, another episode of the RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast. We're so excited to have everyone back. This has been an absolute, um, just a ball, just so much fun to talk with uh, professionals about uh, different different aspects of our industry that we're all facing. Um, something more recent come up that uh, we're all very much aware of as uh, people in our pharmacy business and. Um, that is the U.S. administration's pullback on Medicare drug benefit proposal and what effect that has on our patients and pharmacists, pharmacy owners. And we are super excited to have a uh, sponsor today of the RX Chat Pharmacy Podcast, um, iMedicare. And uh, the CEO is Flavio, and he's just a dynamic guy. I've met him at several conferences extremely passionate about reducing the cost of Medicare for seniors and pharmacies. You can find his information at imedicare.com. But how are you doing today, Flavio? How are you? Great. Thank you for having me, Todd, especially at this uh, pivotal time in uh, history for pharmacies. As, uh, like you mentioned, CMS introduced this 700-page document uh, that made quite a number of the changes the NCPA and a lot of pharmacy uh, organizations have been trying to push forward for years, so it was an exciting time that uh, people put in their comments and re- everybody contributed. But, but like you said, a few days ago, uh, I believe it was yesterday, actually, the CMS announced that uh, they would not be going forward with this proposal due to an even greater outcry 20 senators and, and more, uh, and, and a lot of the PBM efforts lobbying against it. So uh, it's really a critical time to to talk about this. I agree. And, um, you know, Chief Executive Officer of the National Community Pharmacists Association, Mr. Douglas Hoy, he was quoted saying, we are deeply disappointed in CMS's decision not to move forward at this time with the pharmacy choice provision. And he goes on and saying, in many rural communities, independent community pharmacies are the only pharmacy provider, and they are often excluded from preferred pharmacy arrangements. So today's RX chat is definitely surrounding this. So I kind of want to get into some of the questions, and Flavio, I'm going to I'm going to be asking you all the questions to not to put you on the spot, but we definitely want to hear you know some of your thoughts and opinions about this. And um, we also want to just thank, again, um, our co-hosts, RxWiki, for always helping us in coordinating this Rx chat. We're so excited to have them uh, getting behind this and pushing this. And we also want to just thank the participants. You guys are just incredible. You ask excellent questions, and you really keep us uh, thinking. You know, Erico and Mia and uh, Stephen over at uh, RxWiki, we're always scratching our heads saying, you know, how do we keep bumping this to the next level? So, um with that, uh, let's uh, get into um, the questions, and, and we'll go through them, and we're going to give uh, Flavio you, you the first um, ability to ask um, or answer those questions, and we'll start reading through some of the tweets that have come through. But question number one is, how have preferred networks affected the business of pharmacy? So what do you think there, Flavio? Yeah, that's a, that's a very loaded question, as <laughs> you know. Uh, I just want to briefly kind of go uh, uh, quickly over sort of the, the proposal because, because the CMS proposal had an, so many number of things in it, 
and what happened is the baby got kind of thrown with the, the bathwater on, on this. The key things that CMS proposed that particularly affect pharmacies are to no longer have these preferred net networks of pharmacies and basically force all plans to offer the same deal to all pharmacies. You know, people might not even know that that the deal that, say, um, WellCare uh, offers uh, Walgreens is not available for any independent, even if they wanted to accept the same prices and have the same copays, it's not available to them. And so CMS proposed, hey, let's uh, let all pharmacies have that, and, and if they want to take a lower uh, pay and to have those patients and be in the preferred well care network, let them be in it. Uh, so that was the key thing we're referring to when we're talking these preferred networks and what CMS tried to rule down and, and did not go through. Um, unfortunately, the thing that got a lot of press and uh, lobbyists kind of hung their hat on and, and what eventually brought down the whole proposal is it also lifted the protected class definition from a few drug classes. So uh, basically right now, any antidepressant or immunosuppressant has to be covered under Part D by all plans. Um, and so CMS kind of lifted that and said, look, plans can uh, choose which ones to offer. They have to offer a minimum amount, but they don't have to do every single one of them. And so what happened is it really created this outcry for folks wanting every single antidepressant and immunosuppressant to be covered, and that became more of the issue that kind of brought down uh, the other pieces that people didn't understand as well in the government, such as the preferred networks issue that is a, is a huge uh, huge issue to pharmacies. And why is it a huge issue? The first question, like you said, well, basically what's happening right now with preferred networks is, uh, like I mentioned, uh, Walgreens has a, a deal with that uh, WellCare, and independents are not able to have it. And moreover, let's say, Todd, you're a pharmacy that goes to uh, Happy Independent. Let's say you're going to Mike's Pharmacy, and you love Mike. You have a great relationship. Uh, but uh, you're on the WellCare plan. You know, WellCare is covering your medications. What's going to happen is WellCare is going to send you a letter right now that says, hey, Todd, stop going to Mike's Pharmacy. Go to Walgreens. Uh, they're basically pushing you to go that way. They're telling you, hey, you're going to have a little lower copay on your cheap generic drugs. But it doesn't tell you what the copay is going to be for. Let's say you're taking some uh, more expensive drugs or you go in the donut hole or there's a number of things that can affect your overall pay, but they kind of lure you in with that $0 copay or lower copay at Walgreens and basically push you over that way, causing uh, your friend Mike and his independent pharmacy to, to, to lose your business um, and not be able to see him anymore. And so that's, that's what really upsets and angers a lot of you know, the 24,000 independent owners out there. That's um Excellent point, and um, you know, you made comments about something being inserted into a much larger bill with so many components to it. And how many of those uh, senators that were involved in the decision really understood the specific factor of patient choice and the specific factor of these pharmacies in different parts of the United States, which are the only service provider? for their patients who have been going to this independent pharmacy and this community pharmacy for years and years and years, and all of a sudden this network comes out and, and it doesn't allow them to continue to have that care. That little piece that's put into this much larger piece, that's why it irritates me when they come out with such 
big proposals that have so many components to it. I certainly hope, and I'm sure that we will, as an industry and the NCPA, and um, you know, move forward with talking about specific patient choice uh, rather than these closed-off preferred networks. And it really brings us to that question number two, which is how aware do you feel pharmacists are of how payer issues affect patients and pharmacies? And, you know, you um, are in this business, Flavio, and you have to understand the background. There are pharmacists that, um, you know, work at pharmacies who really don't know the ins and outs of how this payer issue really affects patients and pharmacies because they just want to go and care for the patients and do their job. Pharmacy owners, on the other hand, are definitely a little bit more aware. But you just said that that bill, that proposal, was 700 pages. So when you start trickling down and how that affects the patient and pharmacies, you know, it's it's really hard to put your finger on it. So what's your opinion? Yeah, definitely. You're you're absolutely right. The independent owners are definitely more aware than a chain, uh, even a small chain, would be. Because, uh, see, when when you walk into the pharmacy and refill your medications, they see the number on the screen. Uh, the number on the screen is what you're going to pay, but also what the that particular plant's PBM is going to pay them. And and uh, look, we're we're in this business, and we see it every day. You know, what we do we compare Medicare plans and help them uh, increase reimbursements, help pharmacies increase reimbursements from those plans, and we see it every day. A uh, patient coming in, for instance, the pharmacy would be losing. I've seen losing fifty dollars a prescription when a patient refills uh, hydromorphone on uh, ARP, and. That's fifty dollars you're losing. I don't think patients realize that the pharmacy could actually be losing fifty dollars. They could have been, let's say, you know, paying seventy dollars to get the hydromorphone, and uh, ARP plan gives them back twenty, and so they're they're practically losing fifty dollars flying out the door. Whereas on another plan, that's you know, let's say Aetna, for instance, they might actually be making fifty dollars, so the the plan could be paying them one hundred and twenty, and that's just that's just uh, crazy to to think of it from the outside. It's like if you were selling shoes and you didn't actually know whether you're going to be paid a dollar or a hundred dollars for the shoes you're selling, and it's it's uh, it's a great reality at what these plans are doing and reimbursements uh, affect them, and they are hyper aware of which plans are. Effect- I can tell you right now, you go to an independent, you tell them what do you think of how Humana is paying you, they'll know right away. Right. Uh, on average, Humana is a tough, it's a bad plan for them. Right. And that, you know, that's echoed uh, throughout today's RX chat. We have uh, at Professional Farm, who's been a participant in the chat for some time, and uh, they put depends on what setting the pharmacy's practices in, obviously. And then we uh, go up the, the, you know, the the feed, and we see Trial Card, and you know, they're at Trial Card on, on Twitter, and it says independent farms are more aware than chains, where patients fill their prescriptions should be personal choice, not controlled by covered plans. And that's, uh, that's how we all feel. You know, if, if, we could, um, if we could communicate that to some of these senators that have to go back to their constituents and, and, and you know, give answers to, you know, patients who are upset with this, um, and if they heard it that way, that it was, you know, limiting choice, um, then I think, you know, we could pull it out of the proposal and really submit it as it's, 
you know, as its own, um, you know, ruling rather than embedding it in something so gargantuan. Um, question number three, uh, Flavio, is how do patients react to price fluctuations between zero copay and the donut hole? So that's a that's a question that uh, was designed and put together, um, you know, by you, and it was an excellent question. So I'm interested in hearing your answer. Thanks. Yeah, and I'd love to hear other folks uh, chiming in, calling in, and. and Talking about their experiences because, like I said, we, you know, we 1,200 independent pharmacies uh, uh, using our product every day, and and I know every one of them has a lot to say about each each one of these issues. Uh, but you're right. When the patient walks in the door, they don't know what they're going to pay either. Uh, it might be their copay, which let's say is five, ten dollar copay. But like you said, once they reach a certain level of uh, drug spend in that year, they go into what's called the donut hole, where they're paying. Uh, 47% of brands and 87% of generics, roughly. And so their price might go from that $10 copay to $100 or more. And you can imagine a senior on a fixed income being extremely surprised when last month they got the same drug for $10, now they have to pay $100. And so, needless to say, they blame the pharmacy. They don't know PBMs and plans and, and all of the donut hole explanation of pricing. So they basically look to the pharmacy and say, hey, why are you charging me more for this medication? And it's unfortunate because, like we talked about, the pharmacy has nothing to say in the matter. Uh, they're, uh, they, they're completely helpless in, in affecting that. And so uh, patients are, are kind of upset, and the pharmacy has to kind of explain to them how this works. And, and you know, not to give a plug to what we do, but basically that is what we do. We, in one minute, have an application that shows the patient, look, here's where you would go into the donut hole, Here's where you have to plan uh, ahead of time and your medications are going to cost more. But also, once you spend a certain amount in the donut hole, you get out of the, the donut hole, the gap. And so, because some some patients stop taking their medications. When they see it's $100, they say, oh, look, I can do without it. I'll just go home. And that's bad for, for everybody. It's bad for the system, the pharmacy, the patient, their health. And so, it's important to explain to them, look, if you if you just spend keep spending uh, uh, the money on the drugs in the donut hole, eventually in a couple of months, three months, you'll be out and only be paying because uh, after the donut hole you're paying five uh, percent of the drug cost, so your your prices are going to go uh, really low and you'll be able to for, forge your meds after that. So it's important to communicate that to them so they know when to when it's coming to plan accordingly and not be surprised and take their anger at the pharmacist, you know. Isn't it amazing that the entire system, um, from a PBM perspective, these national big, huge PBMs that um, really have some very intelligent lawyers on staff to kind of design this entire um, engine that bypasses, you know, under the covers. It's happening in the dark. It's happening. No one understands it. I mean, there's it took me years to, I was in I've been in pharmacy since 2004. I didn't I didn't get PBMs until maybe 3 years ago. So it's amazing that all this is taking place. Patients arrive for their medication. The relationship in their eyes is between them and that pharmacy technician, them and that pharmacist, them and that pharmacy. And to the patient, it's the pharmacy that's the bad guy. They have no idea that it's the um, you know the lobbying and the big business of national PBMs, and they and to them they really don't care. All they want is their medications at a 
you know, at, at the lowest cost possible, and they want the relationship with their pharmacist, and then all of a sudden it's the pharmacist that, that gets the bad rap because that's who they're taking it out on because that's what, that's all they know. And it's, it goes back to exactly what you're saying, and, uh, you know, Trial Card chimed in on question three and said exactly that. They, um, you know, it's it's always affecting the, the relationship between um, the patient and the pharmacy. It, you know, they said it results in unhappy patients who take it out on the pharmacist, unfortunately. And that's so true. So, um, you know, question number four is what changes would you like to see improved in Part D to help pharmacies and patients? So that's also open-ended, but I think, um, you know, and it might be, you know, semi-loaded to what we'd like it to be, but nonetheless, I want to—I definitely want to hear your your opinion on that. Yeah, and let me let me mention that one of the another thing that got thrown out with the CMS proposal that was in there was great was increasing MTM, which is medication therapy management. It's uh, basically the pharmacist sitting down and, and helping patients figure out their medications. Maybe they're taking two things for the same condition and. And really, you can never replace that pharmacist uh, counseling the patient on their meds. And that was increased from, I think, uh, 10 or 15% of Medicare beneficiaries being uh, eligible for MTM to over half, 55%, uh, if the proposals had gone through. But, of course, that got uh, cut with it as well. And, and that, is a, that is, for instance, one that PBMs, pharmacies, and patients alike are all in favor of, and it's a shame to see Things like that get also uh, kind of throw, thrown with the bathwater uh, on this. And those are the kinds of things that we're going to have to see in the future. Uh, another thing to mention about the CMS rule is that despite uh, the law being shut, shut down, there's a proposal, and by the way, it was shut down with 20 senators uh, supporting that and signing a letter to CMS to do so, and it's... Some pharmacies on the on the PDS, the messaging board, PDS, the pharmacy group, uh, mentioned that uh, they should put a picture and the name of each uh, each of those senators on the pharmacy drive-through window. <laughs> so that was a that's right. That was a clever way to spread the word because you're right. They're in those districts. They're paying taxes, and and it's those senators and uh, congressmen and congresswomen that uh, that are shutting down these proposals. Uh, but also, so besides the proposal being uh, shut down by, uh, at CMS. There is a separate law introduced by Renee, uh, Congresswoman Renee Almers in North Carolina, H.R. 4160, that basically ensures that CMS won't have the ability to, to do this in the future. Because, like you said, CMS did this proposal. They could have easily just accepted it and gone forward. So they want to introduce a law that prevents CMS from uh, determining these price and network issues in the future, which is... It's outrageous that uh, something like that got proposed. It, it was not brought up to a vote yesterday so, due to a lot of, again, pharmacies and, and patients reaching out to do so. But I just wanted to mention that, that uh, this is still in play. They really want to make sure that uh, uh, these things don't change. Uh, to answer your question, what we want to see uh, is these changes, MTM to all patients, no preferred networks, give everyone a fair chance to accept. We're not talking huge changes here. Everybody should have the opportunity to accept the pricing of, of every plan and, and serve their patients in the same way than, that any other pharmacy can. It's not uh, uh, any revolutionary idea here. It's, um, it's just transparency. And 
I can tell you, we show reimbursements for each pharmacy that's our customer. We show them how much each plan pays them on iMedicare. And that pricing is updated every two weeks. Every two weeks, each plan submits their pricing to CMS, and uh, and that's what we're displaying. And as you as you and a lot of your listeners know, pricing can change more often than that. It, uh, PBMs might change uh, uh, pricing on an hourly basis for some drugs, and so uh, we, we we have to force those plans and PBMs to update their pricing more frequently. Again, we uh, do everything and use multiple sources and quality assurance to always show and estimate how much a pharmacy is going to get paid for a plan for a drug on a given plan. But transparency is far from from complete on this. There's so much more. To be to be done, and, and again, we have to work a, a tremendous amount to show this pricing. That that, like I mentioned before, it's it's like you're selling shoes and you don't know what you're going to get paid for it. It should be pricing that, that's available to everyone. You know? Right, um, Mr. Kurt Proctor, who's part of the um, the NCPA team, and he's a champion for uh, community pharmacies, and uh, always like him uh, in his uh, his thoughts. Said to answer number four. Uh, to the question, what changes would you like to see improved in Part D to help pharmacies and patients? And he said, CMS, to implement the rule they proposed that NCPA worked so hard uh, for on behalf of community pharmacy torpedoed by election politics. Um, I'd like to actually get the actual um, proposed um, information, which I'm sure is available. So what I'll do is I'll try to find that and, and post that up on the podcast um, with regards to some of the links that we're going to include under the episode that's been um, graciously um, sponsored by iMedicare. So um, so that'll move us to um, question number five, and that is, what do you believe are the most impacting next steps for pharmacists and pharmacy owners on this pressing subject? So what do you think, uh, Flavio? Um, if you, you know, you have the ear of, you know, pharmacy owners out there who listen to the show, pharmacists who listen to the show, and um, what what's the battle cry, what's the next steps um, for pharmacists and pharmacy owners on the pressing issue we all have? Uh, that's a great question, and again, I'd love to hear what other folks have to say, and uh, your listeners, and the people dialing in, people on Twitter. I think... Um, there's there's many, there's many things to do that are incrementally going to affect things in the long term, like lobbying, continuing what we've done to get this proposal out. Make sure each senator and congressman uh, and woman that was a, that opposed it knows what a large issue this this is for their community. Uh, in terms of a more uh, revolutionary approach, <laughs> I'm gonna suggest that uh, uh, it might be. Uh, it might be that if you can't beat them, join them. I think that uh, that independents are there's 24,000 independents, more than Walgreens, CVS, and Walmart put together. And I, I personally think that independents could start their own uh, Part D plan, just like Walgreens has and CVS has, and even Rite Aid this last year introduced a new Part D plan that uh, has them as preferred. And so. While it is like like hurting uh, a cat in terms of a lot of a number of independents putting them all together, everybody's on the same page on on this, and the power that that plan would have, um, owned by independent pharmacies. Again, um, there has been some effort in the past to do that, but never owned entirely, or majority-wise by independent pharmacy. And I think something like that 
uh, would have a huge impact if uh, you have all the independents in a preferred network and change is non-preferred. So if you think of letter, you know, the letters WellCare sends to uh, patients pushing them to Walgreens, doing uh, basically having a plan that is the opposite of what they do, I think would be a powerful impact. Again, that's a that's a pie in the sky and a big goal, and I think a, a major major change. But I do think it would be effective in the short term. Uh, what we could do is continue these efforts, like you said, like we're doing right now, is making sure people know this, uh, both pharmacies and their patients and their representatives in Congress. The only reason this these preferred networks still exist today is because of uh, politics and lobbying and uh, the 20 senators that opposed it. And so if those 20 had not done so, um, either by you know their constituents reaching out and making sure they know this and don't sign that piece of paper, uh, we wouldn't be we would not be speaking about this today. So uh, it's important to continue pushing uh, on the politics side and the lobbying side, but also kind of thinking big in terms of what what can we really do to to change the game entirely for uh, independent pharmacies. At the end of the day, independent pharmacies have a huge competitive advantage to change in terms of customer service, delivery, the MTM we talked about. I've personally driven to over 200 pharmacies, independent pharmacies, in the last year, and I've seen uh, I've seen patients so happy and satisfied. I've seen a patient drive two hours, two hours. You know, she's in her 70s, driving two hours to see just to see her independent pharmacist. Wow. And that's uh, uh, something. Like, who drives two hours to go see CVS or Walgreens? You know, I think. Uh, they, it's a, just a natural competitive advantage. The small business um, tri- thriving against the chain. Uh, the chain has a competitive advantage, maybe on price sometimes, but um, you can't deny their their huge competitive advantage on customer service, taking care of the patient, sitting down and consulting them with iMedicare, for instance, on their plans, on their questions whether a drug is covered or not, whether it's, there's a prior authorization or a step therapy on a drug. All those questions that normally they might not be able to answer or have to call the insurance plan and stay on hold for half an hour to find out whether a different drug is covered. Uh, Now you can kind of consult them to right then and there, provide an excellent customer service, and uh, gain more patience, you know. Yeah, from um, from the Twitter chat, we had at BU Farm Student and they commented on question number five, and they said, I think it starts and ends with the dollar, money. After all, it's coming from patients' wallets. Educate them, and they will fight. And you know what? I think that's a good suggestion. Here's the thing. If you're a pharmacist, if you're a pharmacy owner, why not come up with a one-pager, has some really simple bullet points. Don't put a bunch of stuff on the paper. Just a couple simple bullet points to try to educate those patients and maybe once every quarter slip some of that education in the bag of you know every customer, every patient that you have. Let them know the name of their personal representative, their per, per, you know personal congressman in that district. Educate them, put phone numbers down for them, you know addresses down for them and say, you know, you you are the voter, so you have a bill, you have power and and, and empower them through education. Um, you know, that folds, dovetails with what the NCPA chimed in. And thanks so much for participating, NCPA, in the ARCS chat today. And they said, uh, to, to question five, they said, keep talking to your members of Congress and express importance 
of pharmacy choice for patients. And then they put info. They have a little link there to show you, you know, how to actually, you know, do that and moving forward. Um, I think it's a combination of, of multiple things. We can't obviously give up. I know that the, the gears are already turning with our advocacy and, and our teams um, and our national associations to, to move to the next step. Um, at TriCard um, answered number uh, five, they said, empower and encourage farms to build a personal connection with patients, which equals trust in business. And we're the second most trusted profession of all professions in the country is the pharmacist, So, and especially your community pharmacist. So uh, take advantage of that trust and start you know, educating, and don't be afraid to put extra stuff in their, in their bags to say, hey, concerned with this and um and it, it's just it's just right back to what you said Flavio and I want to let everybody know you know this has been a um a sponsored um RX Chat Pharmacy podcast and Flavio like I said you're a you're a champion in in the space your technology is uh incredible take a look at that that's imedicare.com and um and ask questions to Flavio too you're you're accessible Flavio um you know give them uh, a way to to get a hold of you yeah, we're uh, I'm at Flavio at imedicare.com. Uh, that's F is in Frank, L is in Larry, A V is in Victor, I U at imedicare.com. Uh, can also be reached at sales.imedicare.com. We built this from zero to now 1,200 independent pharmacies uh, using it to save their patients time and money on their plans, but also see reimbursements uh, for each plan, see what's covered, what's not. Uh, because it's important to know uh, which plans are the ones. Not every plan is 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 bad, and so it's it's important to see which plans have those preferred networks and push right. patients away from your business. Uh, see which ones reimburse more or less. Like I mentioned in the hydromorphone example, there's <coughs> many like that where you can revenues by thousands of dollars. So see you on imedicare.com. I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you so much, Todd, for um, all that you do. We want to thank Flavio for sponsoring today's RX Chat. This is an extremely important um, podcast to get out regarding CMS's decision on proposed changes to Medicare Part D and the effect on pharmacy, pharmacists, pharmacy owners, and of course our patients. So thank you to iMedicare. You can find iMedicare at imedicare.com. Research the technology. And I want to thank uh, RX Wiki for being our RX Chat uh, co-sponsor. And um, please get involved. Go out to Twitter if you don't have um, a Twitter and do the uh, search for hashtag RX Chat. You'll see um, all of the information on today's conversation. Spread this podcast out throughout the industry to your industry cohorts and associates. And we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. <laughs>